between hope and fear, themes that we often feel when reading the Quran. But how do we find the essential balance between the two? In this episode, we explore all the important questions, from practical steps to engage with the Quran, to maintaining a relationship in turbulent times, and how the Quran acts as a means of healing and mercy. On this episode, we were joined with Sheikh Yahya Rabi, hailing all the way from London, England, a teacher, khatib, and prolific international speaker. Between hope and fear, enjoy the podcast. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Pleasure to have you, Sheikh. Assalamu rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. It's a pleasure to be here and absolute honor. I don't know if the camera can tell, but as we were discussing earlier, mashallah, it's nice to meet someone as as tall as myself. How tall you, Sheikh? I'm surrounded by giants. Six five. Six four. Six four. Okay. The cameras can never tell. Yeah, that's true. Because every time I go. Uh, and I travel or I go somewhere that people have never met me before. Mm. The first thing they say to me, Subhanallah, oh. I never expected you to be this tall. Yeah. Because yeah. that's I was the first one. I was, I was like taken back. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> because it's not. You have to look up, Mashallah. <laughs> giants. Surrounded by giants. Allah. Sheikh, mention something in in the bio that you're working in media. Roll us, walk us through that. That's what it says in the bio. That's what we found. That's old school. That bio needs to get removed. Tell us. All right, we're we're relying on old. That's 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 very old. I don't work in media at the moment. I'm miskin, yeah, Jamal. No, right. I'm just a miskin who lives in London. And uh, also, يعني, um, I, I have a background in media. You dabbled in a bit of the media. Yes, I have a background in media. I studied actually media and journalism. Oh, mm-hmm. And I believe you studied media. I studied media as well. No, no. So, back so now, I, have, I have a background in that. But I wouldn't say that I'm يعني, very involved in media at the moment. Mm. But no doubt it's something which has, I guess, played its part in your life. Because to be an effective da'i, you need to be an effective communicator. You need to be someone who's, I guess, well-versed in media. Do you think it's played a role? I, I believe 100% that it's helped. It's helped 100%. It's, it's played a big role. It's helped a lot of things. But um, I never ever thought that I would use it. right? Mm. And subhanAllah, يعني, with the da'wah, it proved to be quite useful. My father always used to say, that uh, whatever you study, uh, even if you don't directly use it, mm-hmm. it, it will benefit you somehow, right? So, like like maths for those out there. Maths <laughs> has absolutely uh, algebra. Algebra, yeah. There you go. We came up with that, didn't yeah. we? Yeah. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Sure, we're going to start off with something different. Um, I've watched some of your the reels that pop up on Instagram. I've seen your recitation. Tabarakallah, I'm impressed. I'm really impressed. So I'm going to actually do something very different we've never done before. But with Ustad Yahya, I think this is going to work with you. It's warranted. I'm going to throw out a few words, a couple words, one at a time. And at the top of your memory, literally the first verse that comes to your mind after I say these words, and recite them and nicely something which would I guess hit our hearts inshallah you ready? Iftibar a test an exam <laughs> yeah Allah let's see how we, we begin hopefully so you don't horribly first. fail yeah no I think you, you, you'll do it immensely well. inshallah the first word amal hope amal a'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem bismillahir rahmanir rahim قل يا عبادي الذين أسرفوا على أنفسهم لا تقنطوا من رحمة الله 
The first verse that comes to your mind, that, that was powerful. For our audience, those that don't speak Arabic. Who translated, Allah just says in this ayah in Surah Zumar, say, O Muhammad alayhi salatu salam, Oh my slaves, and the slaves of Allah who have transgressed against their souls. They committed perhaps every sin out there. Do not despair from the mercy of Allah. Do not ever give up when it comes to the mercy of Allah. Always have hope. Rather, Allah in the Quran, he tells us that losing hope and despairing, it is the path to disbelief and misguidance. he he says that Yaqub said to his sons, do not despair from the mercy of Allah mm-hmm. Azza wa Jal. What did he say after that? Verily only those who despair from the mercy of Allah are the disbelievers. Mm-hmm. Right? So shaitan, he makes one despair so that it leads him to the ultimate thing that he wants, which is disbelief. Mm-hmm. Allah says after that, mm-hmm. Allah forgives every sin, mm-hmm. all sins. Allah says, Inna verily. It's for emphasis, Tawqeed, that 100% Allah will forgive every single sin that you commit. If that wasn't enough for you, Allah says, verily He is Al-Ghafoor, the off-forgiving, the constantly forgiving, the entirely merciful one, the one who keeps forgiving again and again and again, especially merciful. Allah. After that, it's impossible for you not to seek forgiveness from Allah Ta'ala and also know that your sins are being forgiven by Allah. Allah. Now, now, next word, that was beautiful. Next word is the opposite of hope or mm. the opposite of hope, which is fi al-khawf. Mm. First verse. يُعْرَفُ الْمُجْرِمُونَ بِسِيمَاهُمْ فَيُؤْخَذُ بِالنَّوَاصِي وَالْأَقْدَامِ فَبِأَيِّ آلَاءِ رَبِّكُمَا تُكَذِّبَانِ هَذِهِ جَهَنَّمُ الَّتِي يُكَذِّبُ بِهَا الْمُجْرِمُونَ يَطُوفُونَ بَيْنَهَا وَبَيْنَ حَمِيمٍ آلٍ فَبِأَيِّ آلَاءِ رَبِّكُمَا تُكَذِّبَانِ وَلِمَنْ خَافَ مَقَامَ رَبِّهِ جَنَّتَانِ فَبِأَيِّ آلَاءِ رَبِّكُمَا تُكَذِّبَانِ That was not one worse. And as for the one who fears Maqam Rabbihi, standing in front of his Lord, that's one meaning. The standing of Malqiyam, he's going to stand in front of Allah, the one who fears that. Or the one who fears his Lord, Jalla Fi'ula, Allah, Jalla Fi'ula, he will have Jannatan, two gardens in paradise. Right? Yani that hope, that fear that he had, Allah Ta'ala reward him with that in the hereafter. Rather, Allah Ta'ala, prior to that, he tells us about other things that we should fear. Allah says, that the criminals, they'll be recognized by their signs. What are these signs? Allah tells another ayah in Surah Taha, that we're going to resurrect the criminals on the day of judgment, 
they're going to have blue signs. So the angels are going to recognize them when they see that sign on them. And then Allah Ta'ala tells us, فَيُؤْخَذُ بِالنَّوَاصِ وَالْأَقْدَامِ They're going to be grabbed by the angels, by their forelocks and their feet. And the angels are going to crack their spines and throw them into hell. Right? Right. So Allah is telling us about that state of those who disobeyed Allah, those who disbelieved in Allah, those who didn't follow the commandments of Allah Ta'ala, that will be their fate in the hereafter. But then straight after Allah tells us, those who feared Allah, when they had these verses that instill fear in us, those who feared Allah and worshipped Allah and obeyed Allah, they will get to the road in Jannah. 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 Shaykh, I want to add maybe just one more to that, perhaps that links onto what Brother Kamal was saying. Tawbah. Repentance. Mm. What comes to your mind? So many ayat. <laughs> right. This is the this is the test. Pick one. The first Take one. all the time you need. Pick one, please. A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytanir rajim. Illa man taba wa amana wa amila amalan salihan fa'ulaik. فَأُولَئِكَ يُبَدِّلُ اللَّهُ سَيِّئَاتِهِمْ حَسَنَاتٍ وَكَانَ اللَّهُ غَفُورًا رَحِيمًا Allah says, إِلَّا مَنْ تَابَ After mentioning the major sins, those who commit these major sins that are going to be punished in the hereafter, Allah says, those who be saved from that are those who repent and believe and do righteous deeds. Those individuals, Allah Taala will not only forgive them, but He will change their sins into good deeds. Allah Taala from His mercy, He doesn't only forgive our sins; rather, He Jalla Wa forgives our sins, and also gives us a head start in pleasing Him, where He gives us a whole record of good deeds. Yani all those sins gone to good deeds, so that you can have a head start in pleasing Allah Taala, obeying Allah, so that. You can attain Jannah because Allah wants to grant us Jannah. Mm-hmm. Allah wants to facilitate that for, for us. Allah, yeah. rather, He calls us to Jannah. Mm-hmm. Allah says in the Quran, Allah is calling mm-hmm. to the home of peace. And He guides whoever He wishes to the straight path. Subhanallah, He is one of the names of Allah, mm-hmm. is Ash Shakur, the extremely appreciative one. Allah Ta'ala, when we do one good deed, we get 10 rewards minimum or more. Mm. The intentions right? as well. Allah multiplies for whatever He wishes mm. immediately. But when we commit a sin, Allah Ta'ala commands the angel on the left to wait six hours for you to repent. I found that interesting, Shay, because do we know if that's even six human hours? I don't it's know. Not, so it's not, we don't it's even not. know. It's not. Know. It's not. It's not. Like, what is a, what is a sa'at? Naam, the, the, mm. the ulama when they explain this, they explain it in many different ways. The the word sa'at is used to يعني, help us understand. Mm-hmm. But sa'at in the Arabic language means a number of things. Mm-hmm. It doesn't only mean the actual hour. Sometimes it means longer than that. Sometimes it means a day, mm-hmm. right? So Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala, the ultimate يعني, message we're getting from this mm. is, is that Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala, He's giving us time to repent. The angel on the left waits mm. that period of time. And if you don't repent in that period of time, what happens? Only one bad deed is recorded for you. Whereas the angel on the right immediately recalls the good deed as 10. So Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala wants to grant us Jannah. He wants mm. us to attain the Jannah. 
all that's required from us is to take that step towards Allah. You go towards Allah. A hand span, Allah comes to you in arm span. You go towards Allah walking. And Allah comes to you running. That's Allah. Pause. Just a quick short break. If you enjoy what you're listening to and would like to see more podcasts just like this and more of One Path Network's content, please consider going over to our website at onepathnetwork.com and contributing whatever you can. Your donations will go a long way in helping us make more content just like this. Let's get back to the podcast. Enjoy. Sheikh, you've touched on so many beautiful themes, talked on hope, fear, repentance, and I would even argue love to a degree. But for if you were speaking to a non-Muslim, mashallah, like you said, you're working in media, somebody said, excuse me, so you're, oh, probably not so, excuse me, mate, uh, you're that beautiful man with that beautiful voice, but what are you talking about? If they were to ask you, what is the Quran? What is it? What are these words that you recite? How would you explain the Quran to a non-Muslim? To a fellow Londoner. <laughs> the Quran. The Quran is the divine speech of Allah, which is unchanged. It is a way of life. It is the methodology of life. It is guidance for all of mankind. It is from the greatest mercy that Allah brought down to this universe. It is a book full of blessings. Rather, when we follow it and live by it, we'll attain those blessings. It is a challenge that Allah challenged all of mankind and jinkind with to produce anything like it, and they never shall ever be able to do so. It is the most eloquent speech. It is the speech that you never ever get tired of reading and reciting. Rather, the more you recite it and you repeat it, the more beautiful it becomes. Mm. It is a speech that addresses the hearts. And not only addresses the hearts, but transforms the hearts. It is the speech that over that yani, overpowers the limbs and makes the limbs submit like it did to the Arabs of the Arabian Peninsula when they heard the Quran. Mm. It's the speech that changed the face of this universe, mm. right? And it's speech that if you understand it, and you really open up your heart to it, it will change your life for the better. That's the Quran. That's, that's the answer. That's good for us. Amen. Sheikh, we're on the doors of Ramadan. We've just entered Rajab. One more month, two, like less than 60 days to Ramadan, the month of the Quran. Mm. A month where many people, I guess, aspire to revive their connection with the Book of Allah. Mm-hmm. How would you describe the connection of the Muslim with the Quran? And when you answer this question, I want you to keep in mind the varied circumstances that Muslims mm-hmm. find themselves in. You know, the relationship of the Quran between a mother and the Quran who has children, a father with the Quran, uh, someone who's a student with the Quran. Are, I've, I've been in person, like I've been in my Quran classes, for example. I've seen people who engage with, with the Quran perhaps at a later stage in their life. For example, people who are in their 50, uh, 50s, 60s, mm. um, you know, going through the Qaeda, for example. So I don't think. You know, the, like we're saying, the Quran is really for everyone. But as Kamal was saying, do you want to lead with your How question? would you describe the relationship? Mm. Given our varied circumstances, what should we aspire to have a relationship with the Quran and how should it look like? Jameel, Allah Ta'ala in the Quran, yeah. He tells us in the Quran the relationship that we're meant to have with the Quran. Allah Azza wa Jal, He tells us the reason why the Quran is revealed. When He Jalla wa Ala, He says, Kitabun anzalnahu ilayka li الحميد, a book that we have revealed to you, Muhammad والسلام, the Quran. So that you take the people out of the darknesses of misguidance to the light of guidance with the permission of their Lord to the straight path of Allah. That's why Allah revealed the Quran. 
the Quran, the relationship that we're meant to have with the Quran. And Allah Azza wa tells in other ayah before I tell you the relationship, mm. where He Jalla wa He says, "Kitabun anzalnahu ilaykum barakun liyadabbaru ayatihi wa liyatadakkar aulul albab." A book that we have revealed to you, Muhammad alayhi salatu salam, which is blessed, mubarak, full of blessings. Liyadabbaru mm. ayatihi, so that they reflect and, and contemplate and ponder over its verses, and so that those who have understanding and intellect can also remember, remember and act upon the Quran. So the Quran. That is the relationship we're meant to have with it. We are meant to be those who live by the Quran. Now, the Sahaba, the companions of the Prophet, not all of them were those who memorized the book of Allah. Rather, those that memorized the Quran, we can list them, right? And the Sahaba were thousands. Not all of them had completed the memorization of the book of Allah. However, when they are all described, the companions and their relationship with the Quran, it is the relationship that was practical, mm. a practical relationship. Nowadays, when people talk about the Quran, the relationship that we're meant to have with the Quran, they think it's only about reciting it, listening to it, right learning how to memorize it, tajweed, and so on. La, mm. that's part of the relationship with the Quran, of course. That's part of learning the Quran. But the relationship that we're meant to have with the Quran is greater than that. It's a lot broader than that. It's meant to be a way of life. The Quran, when you have memorized the Quran, I should be able to see the Quran the way you speak. I should be able to see the, the Quran the way you conduct yourself. Mm-hmm. I should be able to see the Quran the way you interact with others. The Quran should be in your character. The Quran should be يعني, present in every aspect of your life. Like Abdullah ibn Saud would say that the one who is a carrier of the Quran, a true carrier of the Quran, he should, he should be known by his day when the people are, mm-hmm. يعني, are eating, he's fasting. When the people, he's by his night, when the people are sleeping, he's awake in prayer, Ibad. He's different because the Quran has that effect on him. The Sahaba, radiallahu anhum, you find amongst them that Abdullah ibn Umar, radiallahu anhum, he completed Surah Al-Baqarah, it said 10 years took him to complete Surah Al-Baqarah. And then after he completed Surah Al-Baqarah, he had a big celebration and he oh. slaughtered a camel and he had a big feast, right? Mm-hmm. After 10 years, of learning Surah Al-Baqarah. Now, what does it mean that it took him 10 years to complete Surah Al-Baqarah? Was it memorizing Surah Al-Baqarah? No, it wasn't. Abdullah ibn Umar was from the ulama of the Sahaba. He had memorized the Quran. But it was truly understanding and extracting the lessons and the guidance from Surah Al-Baqarah. It took him 10 years. right? Which shows us that the journey with the Quran, it's a journey of a lifetime. Nobody mm-hmm. can ever say that I've extracted everything from the Quran. Mm-hmm. I've taken everything I need from the Quran. Khalas, I've done, I've learned the Quran. Mm-hmm. It's a constant journey that you're on, which mm-hmm. is until you leave this world. So it's the guidance that we're meant to be looking at. Mm-hmm. Even when you look at the word tadabbur that we mentioned earlier on, when the ulama, they talk about tadabbur and they explain what tadabbur is, the scholars, they say that in a nutshell, it is what is the guidance that you can take from this ayah that you can implement in your life. Mm-hmm. What, what's that guidance that you found in that ayah, that verse That you can implement in your life and you can act upon It's all about action mm. Acting upon the ayah, right? Now, that's what the Sahaba radiallahu anhu found easy Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu would say The time that we live in ayah, the time of the companions It's a time that perhaps the memorization of the Quran is difficult mm. But acting upon the Quran is easy for us And there will come a time where the memorization of the Quran is easy for the people But acting upon it it's difficult. That's that's uh, yeah. That's a lot, Sheikh. That's, I actually have a question for you mm-hmm. because now I think there's a good, there's a difference between those who recite the Quran and Mashallah, they're very good. Mm-hmm. But there's a difference between those who uphold the Quran. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's good. For example, um, 
you know, if somebody's serving you as a good reminder, but then again, you know, Allah protect us all, but then acts in a hypocritical manner mm-hmm. behind everyone, uh, it's a everyone else's. One hundred percent. So how how could we, like you were saying, how how it took him ten years, around ten years, to actually embody that? And like the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he was. They said he was the walking Quran. I mean, how many yeah, of us the uh, complete the Quran weekly, monthly, yearly? Uh, there's scholars in West Mauritania who would recite the Quran in their sleep, and they would finish it by the time by by the time by Fajr time. So Subhanallah. So my question to you, Sheikh, mm-hmm. is how can we be? Um, how can we st- prevent ourselves from being hypocritical from those who are outwardly, you know, quoting the Quran but not implementing in in that in our own life? What would your advice be? The Prophet Ali he says in Hadith, Perhaps a reciter who's reciting the Quran, whilst he's reciting it, the Quran is cursing him. Mm. What does this mean? It means that this individual he recites the ayah where Allah says, Do this, he doesn't do it. Mm-hmm. And Allah says, Do not do this, and he does it. Mm-hmm. Yani he doesn't act upon the Quran whilst he's reciting the Quran. Mm-hmm. Yani he doesn't live by the Quran. He deliberately goes against the Quran whilst reciting the Quran. The Quran is going to be an evidence against that person where the Prophet ﷺ says, Quran that the Quran is going to be an evidence for you on the Day of Judgment or against you. Mm-hmm. Now, these ahadith and these statements of the Prophet ﷺ, they should instill that fear in the heart that this knowledge that I've learned, this Quran that I have memorized, that I've learned, that I've, perhaps I'm still learning, mm-hmm. My objective should not be that I'm only going to learn how to beautify the recitation of the Quran, mm-hmm. to memorize it, etc. My goal should be that I am going to act upon this Quran. I'm going to live by this Quran. There was a tabi'i who used to come to Umm al-Mu'mineen Aisha, radiallahu anha, and she used to teach him. Mm-hmm. right? And then she would teach him a bit and she would tell him, go implement that. And then come back for the next lesson. Mm-hmm. So one day he came back very early and quickly. Mm-hmm. And then she asked him, have you implemented what I've taught you previously? Mm-hmm. And he said, not yet. And then she said, Why are you increasing the evidences of Allah against yourself? That's how the Sahaba mm-hmm. were. That they took it very seriously. Mm-hmm. Every knowledge or every piece of information that they got, they took it that I need to live by it. Like mm-hmm. Abu Abdurrahman Sulimi, Rahimahullah, from the ulama, the tabi'in, he would say that وسلم, the companions of the Prophet وسلم, they were those. They would learn 10 verses, the famous statement, and they would not go past these 10 verses except that they memorized it, they acted upon it, they've understood mm-hmm. it, and so on. That's how they took it. They didn't. It wasn't a matter of trying to do things quickly and getting to the finish line quickly. Nah. It's about taking it small, mm. but implementing it, right? Mm. Because that is great in the sight of Allah Taala. They knew that it's about quality, not quantity, mm. and that's exactly what Allah Taala is testing us on. This quality, whole universe is testing. Allah is testing us on our, the quality of our deeds, not the quantity. Mm-hmm. Allah explicitly states that in the Quran, where He Jalla wa He says, "Allah the Khalaq al Mauta wal Hayata liyabluwakum ayyukum ahsan wa amala." It is Allah created death and life mm-hmm. to test you who amongst you is going to have the best deeds, not the most deeds. Mm-hmm. And Al Fudail Ma'iyad, Rahimahullah Azza wa Jalla, He explains ahsan wa amala, and He says it is akhlasuhu wa aswabu. It is the most sincere deed that is in accordance to the sunnah and the teachings of the Prophet mm. Now this is where we're being tested. How sincere am I? 
am I doing this for Allah? How much is my heart attached to Allah? Am I always thinking about how can I please Allah through my actions? Am I constantly thinking about the reward of Allah hereafter? Because that's sincerity. That my heart, it is focused on Allah during these acts of worship. Everything else does not matter. That's sincerity, right? That's what we're being tested on. And that's the struggle. It's not something that's easy, right? Even the ulama and the righteous who preceded us, they would say that. Sufyan authority would say, That I have not tried to treat something more difficult than my intention because it constantly flips on me. It keeps changing. So it's being conscious of that mm-hmm. and constantly reminding yourself why you are doing it. Answering that question because only you can answer that question why. Why am I doing this? Once you've answered it and you have your answer, if the answer is I am doing it for Allah, then khair. If the answer other than that, then quickly change that and do something about about it before it's too late, right? So that's the test that we're facing. Now the issue it all goes back to the heart. It all goes back to the heart. Whether it is يعني, acting upon the Quran, acting hypocritical, or not implementing the Quran, it all goes back to how sound the heart is, how healthy the heart is. If the heart is corrupted, mm-hmm. then of course, the actions are also going to be corrupt. The, the and that's Exactly. Yeah. And that's why I, I tend to say that, you know, when people say this is common in, in the societies that we live in, that someone will engage in evil or do all sorts of bad things mm. and they will say, but he's pure hearted. He has good intentions. He has a good heart. That's nonsense. Mm. You cannot have a good heart or have good intentions and also engage in evil because the evil, the actions that you do and the statements that you utter, they reflect that which is in your heart. Mm-hmm. If it's evil, then it shows that what's in the heart is also evil. You can't, your heart can't be good And then your limbs are engaging in things that are evil what, what fruit would you produce? Nothing but sour exactly. Sourness Exactly Sheikh, there's a, I guess, a very popular Very popular verse in the Quran Where the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Stands oh, on the Day of Judgment mm-hmm. And he complains about the people This is a verse which frightens me And I'm sure I ask Allah to keep me sincere When I say this And I'm actually frightened of this verse Because there are times in your life When you do have that Distant relationship From the Quran Because of Perhaps impeding circumstances You might find yourself in a difficult situation And you can't have that close proximity to the Quran Like you once did in your early 20s Or when you were a student When you didn't have errands And you didn't have responsibilities Uh, A mother might go through this same experience Whereby she's tending to her children Mm. Is there, I guess, mercy in this verse towards such people? 100% 100% وقال الرسول الله سبحانه وقال الرسول يا رب إن قوم اتخذوا هذا القرآن مهجورا the messenger عليه الصلاة والسلام is going to come on the day of judgment and he's going to complain about the ummah his mm-hmm. ummah is going to say يا الله my ummah they have forsaken this Quran they have abandoned this Quran هجر القرآن is different types the the first type of hajr it is the abandonment of the Quran altogether i.e. disbelief in the Quran right that's the major form of hajr the minor form of hajr which is what the Muslims fall into Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah he categorizes it into different categories he says not reciting it it's a type of mm-hmm. abandonment not listening to it not reflecting upon it not uh, seeking cure through it not uh, acting upon it not judging by the Quran. All of these are different types of abandonment of the Quran. And no doubt that some are worse than others. Mm. Right? When a person, he his circumstances, his life and so on, they do not allow him, for instance, to recite as much Quran as he used to. Does that necessarily mean that he has abandoned the Quran altogether? Not necessarily. Right? And this is a misconception that some people they have. 
Because from the rahmah of Allah tabarak wa ta'ala Is that some of these They interchange Right Reciting the Quran It's extremely praiseworthy and rewarding And you should recite something from the Quran every single day Right mm-hmm. Now the amount that you recite Has not been specified by the sharia mm-hmm. The Sharia doesn't say that you have to recite a specific portion every single day. Rather, it's praiseworthy to recite more and more, of course. But everyone's ability is different. So the Sharia has given us that leeway that you recite to the best of your ability. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Recite to the best of your ability. Having a baseline would help as well. For example, of like course. I've heard teachers say, recite half a page. Yeah. Do this. For example, if you were to exercise and people said, have no time, they say, take five minutes out of your day. No. And then what you realize is that I can have them five minutes, but it's actually turned into eight minutes. And then after that, it's into half an hour. Exactly. So I think I would apply the same principles that mm. to the Quran. Exactly. Jamil, that's exactly it. That you set yourself a portion. Mm-hmm. You, if you start off by saying one page a day, mm-hmm. right? One page for the slowest reciter, perhaps it takes six minutes, seven mm-hmm. minutes. Right. Seven minutes out of 24 hours Is that hard to find? Nobody's even saying right, Recite that page all at once mm. Recite a bit of it at the beginning of the day Another bit of it at the middle of the day Another bit of it towards the end of the day right? Then you have that page right? mm. If you start gradually by reciting something Every single day consistently That will increase naturally Naturally to increase That portion will increase It will go from one page To eventually one juzah Inshallah ta'ala yani Allah 20 yes. pages Allah yes. Inshallah ta'ala That's for the one Who's not a hafiz mm. But as for the huffaz We are strict mm. A hafiz the Quran Cannot He's not He can't be like The one who has memorized the Quran mm. The one who has memorized the Quran Allah ta'ala Has blessed him With that ni'mah Of memorizing the Quran And being someone Who Allah Azza wa Jal Has chosen Therefore you have to be Grateful to Allah ta'ala For that ni'mah And you have to have a With the daily portion Of the Quran mm. That you do not Ever ever leave Because you are Responsible for that you, you perhaps will be asked about it And that with the ulama They say that for the half of the Quran Should not be less than three juz a day Three juz a day Allah That's for the half of the Quran Three juz a day for the one who's memorized the Quran <laughs> Three juz a day to, to, that should be the one who يعني, is, is quite good But they say that you should start off with one juz hmm. When you're just getting into it One juz a day 20 pages is not it's not tough يعني 20, uh, One juz that you can read in If you're a slow reciter Let's say half an hour Yeah Half sure. an hour you can recite it يعني, with hadar, with a bit of, the, of a fast pace. <laughs> Running laps over the rest of us. That's in terms of tilawa. Yeah. Let's say someone is not able to recite the Quran. They don't have the ability to recite the Quran mm. at all. What do they do? Is that is it the end of the world? Of course it's not. Alhamdulillah, we live in a time where the Quran has been recorded by so many different Qurra. They record the whole Quran in their beautiful voices. Mm. Listen to the Quran. Mm-hmm. Listen to the whole Quran from beginning to end Every day listen to a portion until you complete the Quran with that reciter And Allah tells us from the Rahmah When the Quran is recited mm-hmm. Listen to it attentively Whilst you're silent and not distracted by anything and so on If you do so So that you can attain the mercy of Allah The ulama when they explain this ayah They say that the one who listens to the Quran He gets the same reward as the one who recites the Quran Mm. Same reward If he fulfills his conditions He's attentive He's silent He's not distracted by anything else He'll get the same reward as the reciter What's the reward of the reciter? The Prophet ﷺ said Man qara'a harfa min kitab illah Falahu bihasana Whoever recites one harf 
right, from the book of Allah. I'll tell you what tarif means in a moment. He will get with it a hasana reward. And the hasana is a 10, right? Mm-hmm. He said, La aqulu alif lamim harf. I do not say that alif lamim is a harf, but alif is a harf, lam is a harf, mim is a harf. The ulama, they differ upon what harf means. Among some of those who say it's the letter, what we know is letters. Alif, lam, mim, yani letter each. And among some of those who say la is a sound. Sheikh Hassan Mutemi, he says, How many letters does is alif made up of? Alif, lam, fa. Lam is made up of lam, alif, meme. Meme is made up of meme, ya, meme. So, alif, alif, lam, meme, you're getting, that's nine letters, right? So, you're getting 90. And then you also have, wallahu yudha'if ilamay yasha, Allah multiplies for every wishes. Right? So, the one who listens to the Quran can get the same reward as the one who recites it. Allah is, Allah is ever merciful, ever merciful. Nothing has been made difficult. Allah is making it easy for us. So, the one who's busy in his day and he doesn't find a moment to, we sit down and recite the Quran, put your airpods in, listen to the Quran. Mm. When you're commuting, listen to the Quran. When you're walking in the street, listen to the Quran. When you're in your car, turn the Quran on. Mm. Right? If you're like that, you're not from those who have abandoned the Quran. Mm. But then, if just reciting it was sufficient, then we would all be from Ahl Quran, right? Mm. But that's not sufficient. Mm. Ibn Qayyim, he says that Ahlul Quran, humul amiluna bihi walolam yahfabu. That the people of the Quran, they are the amiluna bihi, those who act upon it, even if they have not memorized it. Mm. That's what makes you from the people of the Quran, the true companions of the Quran. What does it mean that even if they have memorized it, it doesn't mean that yani, he's not encouraging memorizing it. Mm. It means someone, for instance, he didn't find the opportunity or, the, or he didn't have the ability to memorize the Quran. Mm. But he acts upon the Quran. He recites the Quran on a daily basis. He listens to the Quran on a daily basis. And the ayat that he learns, he implements in his life, he is from the people of the Quran. And the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, which says, القرآن, It will be said to the companion of the Quran. Uh, emphasis is the word sahib. Huh? On the day of judgment, يعني, read and rise and ascend. Mm. And recite like you used to recite in dunya. Mm. Your position in Jannah will be by the last ayah that you recite. The ulama, they say, some of them, that this ayah or this hadith is not referring only to the hafiz. Because the hadith is sahib al-Qur'an, the companion of the Qur'an. Even the one who has memorized the Qur'an, but he acts upon the Qur'an and he's understood the Qur'an and he lived with the Qur'an, he gets that virtue as well. That's from the rahmah of Allah. The word is sahib al-Qur'an, the hadith says. These are powerful virtues, Sheikh. If you were to, what, what reminds you in the Qur'an of that true... Unremitting sweetness That just doesn't stop Because the Quran Once it's recited on tongues it's kind of, For me it's kind of like When a baby is born Some of the shiuch They will put like a date Or, mm-hmm. or they have put honey In oh. the mouth of the, of, the, of the youngling Right So that's how I would Contrast it To that sweetness of Going back to The life before mm-hmm. So what, what inspires you And what, what sweetness Do you find in the Quran What comforts you All of the Quran is sweet Allah. And Allah Ta'ala He tells us in the Quran and this is an ayah that always is, is, it stands out to me, yani. In Surah Taha, Allah Azza wa Jalla says, "Taha, ma anzalna alayk al-Quran li-tashqa." We have not revealed the Quran to you, Muhammad alayhi salatu salam, so that you can feel grief or sorrow or sadness or uh, and, and all of those bad feelings, right? Rather, the Quran is also happiness. Mm-hmm. At the end of the surah, Allah Taala tells us the exact opposite, where He says, "Fa'mani taba'ahu daya, fala yadillu." وَلَا يَشْقَى وَمَنْ أَعْرَضَ عَنْ ذِكْرِي فَإِنَّ لَهُ مَعِيشَةً ضَنْكَ وَنَحْشُرُهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ أَعْمَى 
Allah says, whoever follows my guidance, i.e. the Quran, mm-hmm. and he will be misguided. And he will not be amongst those who are miserable and full of grief and sorrow mm-hmm. and sadness. And then Allah says, whoever turns away from my remembrance, he will have a miserable, difficult life full of hardship in this world. Is it only here? No, it extends to the hereafter as well. We will resurrect him on the day of judgment, blind Allah says. And then he will say, Rabbi, My Lord, why have you resurrected me blind when I used to have sight in the dunya? And then it will be said to him, Like that, our verses, our signs, the Quran came to you and you turned away from it. And just like that, today you'll be abandoned. Imagine that day, Yom Al-Qiyamah, the day you need Allah the most. Allah says to you that today you're abandoned. Nothing is more difficult than that. Nothing is more terrifying than that. Because when Allah describes Yom Al-Qiyamah in the Quran, and how terrifying it is, and how even the prophets and the messengers are going to react on that day. So what about me? right? And then on top of that, you're told, you're going to be abandoned. So the Quran is what's going to save you. right? The Quran, it's what gives you that comfort in this world and the next life. The Quran is going to be that which makes you from those who don't fear and do not grieve. Mm. On that day Because you're from the elite people of Allah They'll be Yom Al-Qiyamah The Prophet says People who don't fear when the people are fearing And they're not grieving when the people are grieving mm. Amongst them are the people of the Quran The allies of Allah Awliyaullah mm. Right and the people of the Quran No doubt they're the allies of Allah mm. Who don't fear and don't grieve on that day And just like that this world They have the same thing So when Allah says Ma anzalna al-Quran We have not revealed the Quran to you O Muhammad For you to be amongst those who are unfortunate and miserable mm-hmm. and full of grief and sorrow, meaning in this world and the next life. That won't be the case as long as you hold on to the Quran. So when you read an ayah like that, you come across that, يعني, it gives you that comfort that no matter what's going on, as long as I'm close to the Quran, Allah is going to give me that comfort and that solace and that happiness that I need in this world and the next because the Quran gives us that sa'ada fi dunya wal akhira. Now, the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes it also as a healing. Rahma wa shifa. A mercy and a healing. If we were to describe that process of healing, what, what does it entail? What is that spiritual healing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala focuses on in this verse? Jameel. Allah says, وَنُنَزِّلُ مِنَ الْقُرْآنِ مَا هُوَ شِفَاءٌ وَرَحْمَةٌ لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَلَا يَزِيدُ الظَّالِمِينَ إِلَّا خَسَارًا That we reveal from the Quran, that which is a shifa, healing, cure, and a mercy for the believers. Huh? The more iman you have in the Quran, the more the Quran will be a cure and a rahmah for you. And he does not increase the transgressors except in loss. Mm-hmm. Allah says, Oh mankind, an admonishment has come to you from your Lord. And a cure for what's in the chests. Mm. And it's guidance and a mercy for the believers. Okay. Mm. In the previous ayah we had, we were real from the Quran, that which is a cure and a mercy for the believers, right? Mm. Now here Allah is addressing all of mankind. Everyone. Ya ayyuhan nas. The admonishments come from, to you from your Lord, the Quran, and a cure for what's in the chest. The Quran, it is what cures all the illnesses of the heart, starting with disbelief and everything that comes after it, mm. right? 
Allah has made that Quran a cure for it because Allah says inna fi Wherein the Quran is a reminder, a lesson for the one who possesses a heart, a sound heart who opens up his heart to the Quran mm-hmm. and he listens attentively to the Quran whilst his mind is present, he's not absent-minded when the Quran is being recited or when he's, re- or when he's reading the Quran so the Quran is shifa that is a cure for what's within and a cure for even physical illnesses mm. it's like it's a cure for even the struggles that we struggle with the desires and the, the sins that we struggle with the quran is a cure for that mm. allah will help you sorry different verses will help a person depending on his circumstances of course like surah yusuf yeah it is surah yusuf it is Comfort for those who are feeling that sadness or, or difficulty, and that's exactly why it was revealed. The Prophet ﷺ, Surah Yusuf was revealed to him on the tenth year after prophethood, when he ﷺ had lost his uncle and lost his beloved wife Khadija. Right, that year was a year that was very difficult for the Prophet ﷺ. Allah revealed Surah Yusuf. Whoever reads Surah Yusuf, Shaykh Islam Mithimi, he says, whoever recites Surah Yusuf, there's no way he can be sad after it. Mm-hmm. There's no way he can be sad after it. Can you give it. a small surah we can uh, apply? Like as uh, like a ruqya for different ailments? Or, na'am, or... na'am, why not? Taib. In the, the Quran, يعني, all of the Quran is shifa. Right? Mm-hmm. All of the Quran is shifa. Okay. But then there's different ayat that address, address different matters, that address different things. And for instance, I could be going through a certain difficulty Right, and because of that difficulty, uh, these ayat they have an effect on me. Mm-hmm. Now I'll give you a story, and people found this very strange. There was an imam, British imam, he was leading salat taraweeh, and then he got to the ayat of talaq, divorce. And knowing when people recite the ayat of talaq, they don't become emotional, right? Mm-hmm. But he yeah. became very emotional. It's like very fiqh, very textbook. Yeah, yeah. he became because it's very his rulings yeah, and yeah, regulations, yeah. right? So he became very emotional. He started crying. He couldn't hold back his tears, and he started crying. And Subhanallah, people were shocked. Why? Yeah. Or what's the reason behind this? And the Subhanallah turns out that he was going through a very difficult, yani marriage, mm. and he, I think, yani got divorced, if I'm not mistaken. So look, these ayat, because of the circumstance he was in, it touched his heart more than perhaps the other ayat. Mm-hmm. You see? So the Quran, every circumstance, and even the ones that you think that would want to يعني, perhaps move you as much, the Quran is always there. يعني. There's a, a tabi'i, his name was Al-Ahnaf ibn Qais. Rahimahullah Azza wa Al-Ahnaf ibn Qais. He heard a reciter reciting the ayah in Surah Al-Anbiya where Allah says, لَقَدَ أَنزَلْنَا إِلَيْكُمْ كِتَابًا فِيهِ ذِكْرُكُمْ Certainly we have revealed to you a book, the Quran, فِيهِ ذِكْرُكُمْ In it is ذِكْرُكُمْ Now ذِكْرُكُمْ, the Fasirun, they explain it as two different things. It's the literal meaning which is, in it is your mention, Allah is mentioning you in the Quran. And the other meaning is that Allah Azza wa Jal, يعني فِيهِ ذِكْرُكُمْ In it is your might, in it is your honor. Mm-hmm. Right? Al-Ahnaf, when he heard it, he heard it, he understood it as the literal meaning that Allah is mentioning you in the Quran. Therefore, he said, عَلَيَّ بِالْمُصْحَفِ mm-hmm. I must get the Quran and find where Allah is mentioning Al-Ahnaf. <laughs> right? So he started flipping through the Quran. Mm-hmm. And he came past a group, group of people. Where Allah Azza wa says, تَتَجَافَ جُنُوبُهُمْ عَنِ الْمَضَاجِعِ يَدْعُونَ رَبَّهُمْ خَوْفًا وَطَمَعًا وَمِمَّا رَزَقْنَاهُمْ يُنْفِقُونَ That their sides lead their beds. 
That's night. And they get up worshipping Allah, calling upon Allah in a state of hope, love and fear. And whatever we have given them, we give for the sake of Allah. Mm-hmm. He came across another group of people. That a little portion of the night they will sleep. And the rest of the night they will be about worshipping Allah. Worship. And when the time of Sahar, time of Fajr comes closer, they seek forgiveness from Allah. Mm-hmm. And then he came past another group of people That they give preference to others over themselves Even if they're in a state of dire need and poverty mm. And Ahnaf when he came past these people This category of people He said, Ya Allah, I don't find Ahnaf here This is not me, I'm not oh, being described here He said that out of humility mm. And then he came past another group of people ما سلككم في سقر قالوا لم نكن من المصلين ولم نكن نطعم المسكين وكنا نخوض مع الخائضين وكنا نكذب بيوم الدين حتى أتى النقيم وبيستف ذوز نهال فاي what brought you to سقر why are you here and they will say we never used to establish the prayer and we never used to feed those who are in need and we used to indulge in idle speech with those who did so and we used to deny the final day يوم القيامة until death came to us and it came past another group of people إذا قيل لهم لا إله إلا الله يستكبرون ولا إله إلا الله said to them they become arrogant i.e. they reject it mm. he came past another group of people إذا ذكر الله وحده شمأزت قلوب الذين لا يؤمنون بالآخرة when Allah has mentioned alone the hearts of those who do not believe in the hereafter are filled with disgust mm. الأحنف he was يعني when he came past the previous categories out of humility he said oh Allah I don't find myself here mm-hmm. but he didn't drag himself so low and say oh Allah I find, I find myself, myself here. here he said oh Allah I disassociate myself from these people that's what he said and then he came across the last category where Allah Azzawajal says وَآخَرُونَ اَعْتَرَفُوا بِذُنُوبِهِمْ خَلَطُوا عَمَلًا صَالِحًا وَآخَرَ سَيِّئًا عَسَى اللَّهُ أَن يَتُوبَ عَلَيْهِمْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ غَفُورٌ رَّحِيمٌ وَآخَرُونَ اللَّهُ سَيَّنَ أَذَرْزْ اعْتَرَفُوا بِذُنُوبِهِمْ They admitted their sins خَلَطُوا عَمَلًا صَالِحًا They mixed righteous deeds and with evil deeds right عَسَى اللَّهُ أَن يَتُوبَ عَلَيْهِمْ Allah will forgive them Allah is the offer giving the most merciful. And Ahnaf, when he came across this ayah, he said, Oh Allah, I found myself here. This is me. Mm. And this perhaps is the majority of us. Right? We do righteous deeds and mm. also mix it with evil deeds. Mm. But what made the, with these people, what made them different? This ayah is revealed because of Abu Lubaba, a sahabi. It was Abu Lubaba. Radiallahu anhu. Abu Lubaba, he was a companion of the Prophet who made a mistake. What was that mistake that he made? He was instructed by the Prophet ﷺ to go on a mission and to uh, go to Bani Quraidha and to go speak with them. So because he was close to them, Bani Quraidha were the Jews of Medina. So when Abu Lubabad went there, what did he do? He went and the Prophet ﷺ had already told the Sahaba what he was going to do to Bani Quraidha because they had betrayed the Prophet ﷺ and they broken the agreement that they had with the Prophet ﷺ. So when he went and to speak to Bani Quraidha, Abu Lubaba gave away the secret of the Prophet ﷺ, right? Through indication, he did this. So when he did that, he realized what he had done. And he came to the message of the Prophet ﷺ, and he tied himself to one of the pillars. 
And he said that, Wallahi, I'm not going to untie myself. No one's going to untie me from here until Allah forgives me and the Prophet forgives me. So the Prophet asked, why is he doing this? So then he admitted, he told the Prophet what he had done. He admitted his mistake straight away. He said, Ya Rasul, I've done this, I made this mistake. He remained tied to that pillar for a week. And the Prophet would go past him and he would, they would see him there. And then Allah revealed his repentance in Surah Tawbah. And Allah he mentioned that all the good deeds that Abu Lubab had done, it was not forgotten. But he mixed it with evil deeds. Like the majority of us, he made a mistake. Allah is going to forgive him. Asahi means Allah is going to forgive him 100%. Allah is also giving the most merciful. And that's the state of all of us. Right? Mm-hmm. Ahnafi said, I find myself here. So that's how we're meant to be when it comes to the Quran. Look for where um, what is, yani, where am I being mentioned in the Quran? Mm-hmm. Where is yani, the ayat that you're describing, Yahya? Where are the ayat that talk about the certain situation that I'm in right now? Because when you read these ayat, Allah Ta'ala, He gives you that yani, basira, that insight that you perhaps didn't have prior to reading that ayah. You could have been reciting these ayat your whole life, but this time when you recite it, it'll be very different. It's as if you're reciting it for the first time. And that's exactly what happened to the Sahaba radiallahu anhu. The Sahaba radiallahu anhu, when the Prophet passed away, right? When Abu Bakr recited, Wa Muhammadun illa Rasul, qad khalat min qablihi rusulat. Muhammad is nothing but a messenger, alayhi salatu salam. And messengers and prophets have come before come, him. Yeah. If he was to die or to be killed, are you going to turn back on your heels? Mm-hmm. When the Sahaba heard that, they knew the verse, they memorized it, but it was as if he was just revealed for the first time. Right. Because of the situation they were in. Have you ever found yourself in such a situation as if you read the Quran for the first time, that verse? Many times. Many times. Many times. Many times. Allah, yes, uh, many different ayat. If I was to mention them all here, we'll be here all day. <laughs> right? Every time, subhanAllah, uh, so sometimes people they ask me, What is your favorite surah in the mm-hmm. Quran? And I tell them that. There's never a, a surah that is always going to be my favorite surah. Why? Mm. Because all of the Quran is my favorite, of mm. course. But there's certain, يعني, every time you recite the Quran, there'll be certain passages that stand out to you. That stand out with you because you're, exactly. like you're saying, the human experience is so fast Sorry. and your heart changes from morning, from morning uh, to sunset, right? So Sorry. at different times in your life, you're going to find different uh, parts of the Quran that resonate with you the most. 100%. 100%. And now if I tell you the ayah that perhaps stands out to you the most in the Quran, mm. it's the ayah where Allah Ta'ala says, مَا يَفْعَلُ اللَّهُ بِعَذَابِكُمْ إِنْ شَكَرْتُمْ وَآمَنْتُمْ وَكَانَ اللَّهُ شَاكِرًا عَلِيمًا What is Allah Ta'ala? And the reason why that stood out to me is it's very recent. Yeah. Sunday. What day is it today? Tuesday. Tuesday, huh? So Tuesday Sunday. Tuesday? Sunday I was in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had, I had a, a lecture in Melbourne and subhanallah, I quoted the ayah, right? And I quoted the ayah to make a point. And subhanallah, but the point that I was making as I recited the ayah, mm-hmm. a whole different point came to my mind that I didn't plan. Well, because Allah says in the ayah, what's Allah going to get out of punishing you? Mm-hmm. If you are grateful and you believe, and Allah is shakiran alima, he's appreciative one, the all-knowing. Mm-hmm. As I was reciting the ayah, what the point I was trying to make is that Allah does not want to punish us, mm. right? Which is obvious in the ayah. But what stood out to me was the end of the ayah. وَكَانَ اللَّهُ شَاكِرًا That Allah شَاكِرًا at the appreciative one. Alima, mm. the all-knowing. And what stood out to me the most is Alima. Why is Alima mentioned here in this ayah? Because nothing is random in the Quran. Mm. 
Allah Azza wa Jal, He's the all-knowing, meaning that Allah Taala, He truly knows those who are trying to please Him. He is the one who truly knows those who are sincere. He is the one who truly knows the deeds that He accepts. He is the one who truly knows because shakartum. In shakartum, if you are grateful, it means ibadah, you worship Allah, mm-hmm. right? He's the one who truly knows whose deeds have been accepted and whose deeds have not been accepted. Mm-hmm. Therefore, يعني, you could be يعني, striving and struggling for so long doing ibadah and perhaps nothing is accepted from you because of that lack of sincerity. That is something that perhaps terrifies us. And that's how the Sahaba, radiallahu anhum, they were. Allah says, وَالَّذِينَ يُؤْتُونَ مَا آتَوْا وَقُلُوبُهُمْ وَجِلَةٌ أَنَّهُمْ إِلَى رَبِّهِمْ رَاجِعُونَ that the, the successful believers, they are those who they do deeds mm-hmm. and their hearts are trembling. Mm-hmm. They're terrified because they're going to return to Allah Azza wa Jal. Aisha radiallahu anha, she asked the Prophet alayhi salatu Ya Rasulullah, this ayah, is it referring to the one who yani, fornicates and drinks alcohol and steals and yani, commits these sins? Mm-hmm. Is it referring to that person? When he does that, does he become fearful and so on? He said, no, Ya Aisha. It's referring to the one who prays and fasts and does all the righteous deeds obeying Allah. When he does that, his heart is trembling. He's terrified. Why? Because he's going to return to Allah. He's afraid. Have I, was I sincere enough? Have my deeds been accepted by Allah and so on? And that's why you find the Sahaba, many of them, it's reported they said similar statement, which is that if I knew that Allah accepted one sajda from me, then it is better for me than the dunya and everything in it. Others will say two rakahs and so on. Different statements, mm-hmm. but they all have the same meaning. Mm-hmm. That if Allah accepted this one thing from me, then it will be better for me than the whole dunya and everything in it. Mm-hmm. Right, because Allah says, "Inna ma yataqabbalu Allahu min al-muttaqin." That Allah Taala only accepts from the muttaqin those who are conscious, mm-hmm. those who fear Him. Jalla fi ula, wa kana Allahu shakiran alima. But then Allah mentions before alima that He's shakir, appreciative one, mm-hmm. which gives us hope. Allah. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful verse you've actually touched on. I actually was going to mention that verse specifically mm-hmm. in the topic of amal, hope, raja. You know, mm-hmm. having that hope in Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. And I was going to mention that verse. Ma yafal Allah bi adabikum min shakatu what does Allah gain from punishing you? But I was also going to mention something else on the topic of that verse is that what precedes it. And before we go into what precedes it, it it's it's like a consistent theme we're seeing in the Quran. Uh, there was a reason, I'm a, I'm a huge podcast fan. So I, I listen to almost as many Islamic podcasts as I can. And there was that recent oh, podcast with Sheikh Hamza Yusuf and Jordan Peterson. And Hamza Yusuf, Sheikh Hamza Yusuf, Yusuf went to a non-Muslim reading the Quran. He says, describe for me the Quran. And the non-Muslim inexperienced just reading the Quran for the first time he says two opposites yeah I see tension and release, release. tension and release mm. and I'm like boom he he nailed it because you started off with the verse uh, in Surah Al-Rahman where it's like Jahannam 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 وَلِمَنْ خَافَ مَقَامَ رَبِّهِ جَنَّتَان and then even in this this verse for me مَا يَفْعَلُ اللَّهُ بِعَذَابِكُمْ is like the most hopeful verse for me personally like it gives me hope like that's what I'm Banking mm-hmm. on Ya Rab. Ya but then right before that verse, it's like, uh, It's like the most frightening verses mm-hmm. are preceding yeah. it. It's like all this and tension. Allah tension. And those ayat that precede yeah. it, it's all talking about the worst of creation. Yeah. That the hypocrites, Allah says, they think they're deceiving Allah, yeah. right? But they're the ones who are truly being deceived. Yeah. 
And when they stand for the prayer, they stand in a state of laziness. Mm. They only show off to the people, yeah. right? And they don't rep- they don't rem- remember Allah except a little. Yeah. And in that prayer, and generally, they are no- yeah. their trait is that they only remember Allah when people are around. When they bat themselves, never remember Allah, right? Yeah. And then Allah Taala tells us that these individuals who are the worst of creation, mm. they are going to be in the lowest pit of the fire. Yeah, they're even lower than the disbelievers because. These people are pretending to be Muslims when they're not Muslims. They're pretending to be believers when they're not believers. And they are trying to harm Islam from within, right? Mm. So Allah tells us that they are going to be in the lowest part of the fire. But then Allah tells us right straight after that, that what is Allah going to get out of punishing you? Mm. Allah does not want to punish us. Allah does not want to even punish these hypocrites. Mm. But they chose it for themselves. They're the ones who chose. Mm. They refused to believe. And they refused to be among so grateful to Allah yeah. Taala. They disbelieved in Allah Taala because kufr is the opposite of shukr, mm-hmm. and they refused to believe mm-hmm. iman Allah, yani, and obey Allah and mm-hmm. worship Allah mm-hmm. and so on. So mm-hmm. therefore, they earned that, and that's why Allah Taala tells in the Quran that when the people of Jannah enter Jannah, and when the people of the Hellfire enter the Hellfire, Allah Azza wa says. That when the judgment is done With the truth The judgment is over Those who are destined for Jannah enter Jannah And those who are destined for the hellfire entered the hellfire Then Allah says And this Most people don't pay attention to this It will be said by everyone Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen Even those in the hellfire no. They're going to say Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen All praise is due to Allah The Lord of the universe mm. But why do the people of the hellfire Say Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen like Because everyone is going to know That the judgment was the fairest And the most just No one's going to say I didn't deserve this mm. Even those in the hellfire Are going to say That you know what I'm here because I worked for this This is what I earned mm. Therefore I'm here No one's ever going to dispute it mm. They're actually going to say Alhamdulillah for the fairest judgment that I could get. Imagine. That, that, reminds that shows us that Allah is perfect in everything. Mm. And the, even the disbelievers who are going to be punished acknowledges that when they are being punished. Mm. SubhanAllah. Mm. No. Sorry, Sheikh, didn't mean to cut you off. Um, no that was reminding me, um, perhaps Kamal, uh, Brother Kamal can back me up on this, but uh, I heard there was there's a saying that the, uh, there's a man that enters the presence of Allah. And he he comes with such vigor and such you know um, how would you how would you how would you say um, boldness boldness he goes Allah enter me into Jannah by your justice not by wasn't his yeah, mercy by my deeds by my deeds mm. but so be by your justice and and I, I, don't, I can't recall I have how the story turns out and I do I do apologize but it was interesting and I I don't know what the ending was but the thing that I realized was why wouldn't you say by Allah by your rahmah by your mercy Subhanallah Sheikh I'm going to throw a spanner In the works for you now A bit okay. different tone To line things up Mashallah you're also a, a, a professor at your institute Forgive me I have forgot the name Somewhere Brother in the UK Academy. Brother Academy Brother Academy no. Correct uh, Sorry for that um, But there's also You teach uh, kids That actually come to the institute To learn Quran Is there a lesson That adults could learn From the kids Because kids And Malcolm X says it perfectly Adults should not be afraid To learn f- um, from the kids because kids are not f- uh, afraid of making mistakes but you know they get up and do things over and over again 
So what what advice would you give to those who are perhaps struggling with the Quran or perhaps the adults or whoever it may be to learn from the children? Um, I initially studied in the institute before it was Badr Academy. Uh-huh. Badr Academy came around later. It was called previously Badr Islamic Institute. And we were the first uh, institutes and mm-hmm. students who studied there. And when I studied there, towards the end of my studies there, when I got to like the, the last, the second last level, mm-hmm. our teachers made us teach. They said that we had to start teaching. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't comfortable with that. I, I, previously, when I was younger, I was very shy. I used to have a stammer, what we call a stammer or stutter. stutter yeah. Right. Uh, I still kind of do, but it's not as severe it's as you Completely used to. unnoticeable. Let's I wouldn't say that. I, 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 yeah. I perhaps do a good job of hiding it then. But I used to have a severe stutter as well And I never could would imagine myself Standing in front of people And ever addressing them That was never me mm. right? But subhanAllah We were forced into doing that And and taken out of our comfort zone And then what happened was that uh, When we started teaching And then we graduated So then our mashayikh Who initially started the institute um, Some of them became busy And one of them was left Mm. So my uh, group that was that studied with me, we started teaching and we kind of re-established Badr Academy mm. that is to, that exists today. And so I taught there for a number of years, around nine years, I think eight or nine years. And uh, then what happened was, uh, my students. The idea is that my students they became teachers, mm. and then their students became teachers as well. So when it got to twenty twenty, the Corona year. Mm. Myself and the other teachers, we all decided that this year, at the end December 2020, we all took a step back. Mm-hmm. That we're no longer going to teach. And even from the the, the, the admin stuff and all that stuff, we took a step back. And the students who were already involved and were already teaching and so on, that they're going to take full control. Mm-hmm. And the idea of that is, and it's, this is the idea of my Sheikh, Sheikh Mahmoud, may Allah Allah bless him and preserve him, that he is the mastermind behind all this. May Allah bless him and grant him khair in the it is so that, you know, what he taught us that da'wah projects and projects that are serving the religion of Allah mm-hmm. should never ever be attached to human beings. They should be connected to an individual or certain people. That they should be able to live يعني, even after you. Mm-hmm. Right? So, يعني, if I was to die or if other teachers were to leave or whatever, يعني, the project would die if it was attached to us only. That's, that would be the end of it. Mm-hmm. But now the way it's, it's set up, يعني, None of us are I'm in Australia now <laughs> Halfway right? around the world I'm in the other mm. part of the yeah. world And brother is still running it's Right And it's now expanded To other cities in the UK right. So Alhamdulillah That was the idea And coming back to your question Which is that The inspiration mm. part Right um, One thing that I've seen Is that Because we in Badr We teach Arabic And Islamic mm. sciences That When people Start Understanding the language Of the Quran Arabic they automatically want to start learning the Quran. Mm. No, it was quite rare that you'd find people would come to you straight away and say to you, you know, I want to just learn Quran. But Arabic is quite attractive. right? Mm. They think, oh, I'm learning a language. So it's quite attractive to them. Perhaps the original so start, so language start, of love. Yeah, nah. <laughs> so they start learning Arabic. And subhanAllah, when they understand a bit of Arabic and they yani, start to understand bits of the Quran, they tell you immediately, I want to start memorizing the Quran. Mm. I want to start learning the Quran. And subhanAllah, they completely change. Mm. And that reminds me exactly of how it was in the time of the Prophet ﷺ. Because of Sahaba, they understood the Quran. right? 
ذا زمان جبير ابن مطعم جبير ابن مطعم هي لفت مكه هي كيم تو مدينه and he has enmity for the prophet alayhi salatu he hates the prophet alayhi salatu he comes to medina and he has ill intentions he perhaps wants to harm the prophet alayhi salatu when he came to medina when he came the prophet alayhi salatu was praying salat al-maghrib and in salat al-maghrib he recited surah at-tur so jubair was listening to the recitation whilst waiting for the prophet alayhi salatu and the prophet alayhi salatu got to the ayat am khuliqu min ghayri shay'in am hum al-khaliqun am khalaqu as-samawati wal-ard bal la yuqinun were they created from nothing Mm. Or are they the creators? Or did they create the, uh, the heavens and the earth? Rather, they're not certain. Jubair al Mut'am, he says that when I heard these ayat, my heart almost flew out of my chest. That wasn't it. But just by hearing those ayat, he went from an arch enemy of the Prophet mm. and he went to the Prophet and the Prophet became the most beloved person to How many, ah, yeah, transformed him. how many times do you actually hear that commonality within the ahadith? He was the most, you know, despised person yeah. to me, but then he became the most, the beloved. most beloved. You hear that with Amr al-Hawas. Very, com- the, very the, common. The Even by touch. Hand on the chest. No, no, exactly. We, we've had an absolutely phenomenal uh, session with you. Personally, me, I've been taken back. Like a lot of the ayat, it's not easy. The Quran, Allah, it's not easy to just hear some verses. Like some of them, Yeah, they bring hope, they bring that that tranquility, they bring that healing as you speak about. But then some of them just like, Sheikh, slow, slow down, you know, there's that tension, tension and then we, we need to like have that tension slash release. Mm-hmm. Closing remarks for the end of the podcast, bearing in mind that this can very well go through Ramadan. What, is your, what are your final remarks, Sheikh? My final remarks is I'm going to remark on what you just said. <laughs> oh. Tension release. Right? <laughs> We're going to end perhaps with ayat that... Refer to that mm-hmm. Where Allah Ta'ala He says وَأَنَّ عَذَابِي هُوَ الْعَذَابُ الْأَلِيمُ Allah says, inform my slaves, O Muhammad a.s. that I am al-ghafoor, the all-forgiving, al-rahim, the especially merciful. That's Allah reminding us of His rahmah, of His forgiveness, His mercy. And notice where Allah says, I am al-ghafoor, I am the forgiving one. Extremely forgiving one. I am the especially merciful one, right? But then he says, But also inform them that my punishment, it is the painful punishment. Notice that when the punishment of Allah was mentioned, okay, Allah tells us that the mercy and the rahmah and the forgiveness, they are from the attributes of Allah. Allah calls him the, himself the most merciful and the most forgiving. But when it came to the punishment of Allah, that is painful. Allah told us that this is from his actions, not his attributes. Telling us that his mercy and his forgiveness is greater. right? But also to have that fear that keeps us in check. That we do not transgress. We do not really roam through this world heedless and not doing what we were created for. The ulama, they say that... We must worship Allah with love, hope and fear. Love has no limit. 
But as for hope and fear, they have a limit. Mm. Hope, if it gets to a stage where you are so hopeful that it stops you from doing that which you created from worshipping Allah and working hard for the reward the hereafter, mm. and that's dispraised. And fear, if it gets to a stage where it makes you despair from the mercy of Allah Taala, is dispraised and is prohibited, mm. right? So there must be balance. But some, there are times where you meant to have more hope than fear mm. and more fear than hope. Mm. They say that ulama that if a person is in a state of ease, everything's going well in his life. He has no difficulty. He's been blessed abundantly by Allah Taala. This is where he needs to have more fear than hope Because when everything's going well We tend to become heedless mm. So that fear keeps you in check And when things are going quite tough And rough and hard and difficult Then you're meant to have more hope than fear So that you don't despair from the mercy of Allah Taala. That you have that hope in Allah Taala, And with that hope Allah Taala relieve your pain right. That is the reality that Allah tells us in the Quran So we worship Allah in that way And if you worship Allah like that Nothing will ever go wrong in your life The beauties, beauty will appear everywhere no. The veil will be unlifted no. Nothing will ever go wrong in your life And by life I mean your, I mean your real life Which is the life of the Akhirah That's the true life Still sleeping and, But also, this life of the dunya, nothing will go wrong as well. Yeah. <laughs> but the true that. life will be the true life, which is the life of the akhirah. Mm. It will be best. Mm. Right. Yeah. Now, so we ask Allah wa ta'ala to grant us all goodness Amen. in this world and the hereafter. Yeah. And we ask Allah wa ta'ala to forgive our sins. And we ask Allah wa ta'ala to grant us sincere repentance before we leave this world. Mm-hmm. And we ask Allah Azza wa to grant us beneficial knowledge and to make everything that we have learnt an evidence for us, not against us. And we ask Allah wa ta'ala to uh, make what we have said beneficial and to make mm-hmm. us from those who benefit from it and those who hear this speech and follow the best of it. And may Allah Azza bless you both. Amen. Thank you so and, much. Thank and you. also bless the One Path Amen. Network. And ask Allah to put Allah to put Allah to khair and barak in what Amen. you do. And mashallah, Allah has granted you guys qabul, acceptance. And uh, we ask Allah to grant you more acceptance. Amen. And we ask Allah to facilitate so much more for you. Amen. Because it is Allah who makes all this possible. Yeah. No matter how hard we work, how Amen. much we strive, we can't achieve or accomplish anything except with the help of Allah. Mm. It's Allah who chooses who He aids and assists. Mm. So when Allah facilitates khair for you, it's a sign that Allah loves you. So we ask Allah to grant us His love. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's, an, it's an absolute pleasure and honor yeah. to have you. Pleasure is our As I was saying, it's there. so comforting to have yeah. a... A fellow British person on, on the podcast. I didn't even know you're British. That, that was a surprise to me. <laughs> you, you bless us with your presence. Jazakallah khairan. Thank you so much. Thank you to everyone and to everyone watching at home. We wouldn't be able to do the work and get the speakers on like Sheikh Yahya Rabi on without uh, your help and support and your love and your duas most importantly. So inshallah, if you would like to see more content like this, please do let us know in the comment. And inshallah, we're actually close to 1 million subscribers. So inshallah, if you don't mind, click the subscribe button if you would like to hear more content like this. This podcast would also be available on various platforms click the link in the bio inshallah sheikh it's been an absolute pleasure accompanying us today may Allah reward you all mm. and grant you khair mm. and it's, it's a must upon me to thank you mm. right because the prophet says 
لا يشكر الله whoever does not thank the people does not thank Allah تبارك وتعالى so father thanking Allah تبارك وتعالى that we also thank you may Allah bless you thank you around to everyone salam alaikum everyone say amen to the dua thank you salam wa rahmatullah